You know my Jesus is all. My Jesus is all. Welcome to Sanctified in Truth with Michael York, a ministry of the Fairview Baptist Church in Ashland, Kentucky. Sanctified in Truth is a daily podcast for followers of Christ who desire to imitate Him and dedicate ourselves fully to the plans God has for us by deepening our love and understanding of God's Word. Our scripture reading today is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23 to 28. As always, I want to encourage you to read the passage before you listen to the podcast. As the writer of Hebrews returns to this platonic idea of shadows and copies, earthly things and heavenly things, he makes a startling claim. The writer of Hebrews says that this heavenly dwelling place of Christ needed to be purified. How can he speak of heaven needing to be purified? As we read this, we must not press it to insinuate that there was anything defiling God's dwelling place in heaven. Instead, What the writer of Hebrews is calling them to realize is what could defile heaven apart from Christ's sacrifice. See, under the Old Covenant, the priests needed repeatedly to offer sacrifices and sprinkle the tabernacle with blood so that it was undefiled. What defiled the tabernacle was that sinful people came into it, and it dwelled, it rested in the midst of a sinful people. Heaven, on the other hand, is a perfect place and must be completely removed from the stain of sin. Sinners cannot come into heaven. Sinners cannot bring sin into heaven with them. Because heaven is a perfect place, even the littlest sin can defile it. You see, the point is not that heaven is defiled. It's that heaven must not be defiled. And that because Jesus offered a perfect and complete sacrifice... It is his offering that keeps heaven from being defiled. His sacrifice did not just push back the consequences of sin. It put away sin. God cannot allow any sin into heaven. He cannot allow the trace of sin into heaven. So the question is, is how does God allow sinners into heaven? When Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice, the gift was so all-encompassing, so complete, that it dealt with sin totally. When those of us who have trusted Christ step before the Father, we will not bring any of our sin with us. We stand before God, not staining with our sin, but clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Here's the promise of the book of Hebrews. In Christ, our sin has been put away. No more will it be dragged out. No more will it be held against us. No more will it haunt us. This is our comfort. God is so protective of his glory. He will not allow sin into heaven. And so God made that possible so that he sent Christ to deal with sin totally. God put away sin in Christ and it will never compromise the perfection of heaven. That's how you and I who are sinners know 
we can go to heaven. It's because God has dealt with our sin completely in Christ. As we seek to think through the meaning, implications, and applications of this passage, we want to ask ourselves our three basic questions. First, what does this passage tell me about God? The writer of Hebrews writes to reassure his audience of how completely sin has been dealt with, so that when Jesus returns, we know we have nothing to fear. Jesus' first appearing was so that he could deal with sin. On the cross, Jesus put away sin. He was born to die. His whole life was about, in the language that the Apostle John emphasizes, that moment when he would be glorified on the cross. Those of us who are in Christ need not fear his appearing. Matter of fact, we ought to look forward to it and long for it. Because when he comes, he brings with him full and eternal redemption. The second question I want to ask is, what does this passage reveal to me about myself and about humanity in general? The writer of Hebrews says in speaking about the impossibility of a priest offering enough sacrifices to deal with sin, that it's appointed for a man to die once. And after that comes the judgment. In other words, no priest could keep offering enough sacrifices because we only have one life and that one life is limited. But I want us to think about the statement he makes. It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. There's a lot we can learn from that statement. One thing we learn is that this statement precludes any idea like reincarnation. We have one life. This is it. Another idea that this precludes is the notion that after life, there's some post-mortem chance at salvation. Some have supposed, and they do so strongly against the overwhelming teaching of the Bible, I might add, that after death, those who are outside of Christ have an opportunity to choose Christ. But the writer of Hebrews closes the door on that thinking and he nails it shut. After death is not grace, it's judgment. Everyone will be judged. If we have rejected Christ in life, then when we stand before him, we face his judgment. But if we have accepted the sacrifice of Christ when we stand before God, we're accepted in Christ's righteousness because Jesus has already taken our judgment. But the final thing I want us to think about is that the fact we do only have one life. In recent years, people say things like YOLO, which is an acronym meaning you only live once. They do so to encourage risk-taking and extravagance. As Christians... Knowing that we only have one life ought to motivate us to use that one life for Christ as faithfully and humbly as possible. We only have one life. And one of these days we all have to stand before God. And I suspect that when we stand before Him, no one will stand before Him saying, God, I wish I had been less gracious. No one will regret being too much of a blessing. No one will apologize for having forgiven too much. No one will mourn loving their spouse too much, being too faithful, telling too many people about Christ, trusting in God too much. See, God's given you one life, and you need to give it back to Him. The third question I want us to ask is, what does this passage call me to do? 
The writer of Hebrews describes the way that God's children should wait for Christ as waiting for Him eagerly. Too often when I hear people talk about the return of Christ, they do so in terms of doom and fear. But for those who are in Christ, there's nothing to fear. There's only reason to be excited. When Jesus returns, those who are in Him will be welcomed into His presence forever. We will be made sinless as He is. We will see the glory of God in its fullness. There will never be sin separating us and the Father. Sin will never haunt us ever again. We will be saved fully and finally. Every day that Christ waits, it's okay with us because we know that He will return in God's perfect timing. Every day He tarries. We know is another day to accomplish His purposes, to bring honor to His name. But in the meantime, we wait eagerly. We wait expectantly knowing that when He returns, we will be giving our eternal inheritance that Christ has secured for us. And so as we wait, I echo the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, who says, Maranatha. Maranatha is a word which in Aramaic means, Come, Lord. And I add to that what John says, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode of Sanctified in Truth. Join us tomorrow as we'll discuss Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 to 10. May everything you say and everything you do today seek to honor God. Whatever you do, take comfort and know that Jesus has already prayed for you, that you would be sanctified in truth. Amen.